0: Well, as you've already heard, we are continuing what we're calling our 40 Days of Community. And our 40 Days of Community is really a church-wide thrust. It's a campaign that we've been doing from our Sunday morning to our children's ministry, our youth ministry, and our small group ministry with the emphasis of creating community, right? We want to connect together. We want to build relationships. We want to make the church stronger within so we can have a greater impact without. And how many of you understand that what is happening in Israel? And by the way, I want to thank you personally as your pastor. We have given already over $10,000 to Israel uh, just over the last couple weeks. And as you saw that video, that is actually Pastor Israel is his name. And we have a personal connection with him through NRP. And it's so exciting to have somebody literally on the ground in Israel uh, that is distributing aid and support and ministry to those uh, that are literally in the heat of the battle. And so thank you guys For doing that, but we really do believe that community matters. Can I get an amen from somebody? And the power of community is that when we connect together, God really does do some amazing things. And so this morning, as we continue talking about our 40 days of community, let me just say it's not too late for you to get connected. If you haven't joined a small group, you can join one this week. We would love for you to be a part of what God is doing, building relationships, building friendships. And again, the closer we get together as a church, the stronger we' are within the greater the impact we can have without because we gather so we can grow and we grow so we can go into all the world and make disciples and that is the heart of god and the vision and the mission of liberty church and we're glad that you're a part of it and i really do believe that in light of what is happening in the Middle East and all those things that are unfolding, I believe we are living at a pivotal time in history. I believe there are significant things that are happening on the end time uh, scale of things that is happening in our world today. And I think right now, number one, the church needs to be the church. And I think the world is looking to the church right now in a way that maybe it never has before, probably at least in the last 50 or 60 years. And so right now, I think the eyes of the world are are on the church as the world looks to Israel and we're seeing things that are making people ask questions and wonder about what really is coming in the future and here's the good news we have the answer can anybody say Jesus come on he is the answer and we have the answer to the question and that answer is Jesus Christ and so what a joy it is to be the church amen all right so this morning I want you to look with me in the book of Philippians chapter 2 verse 2 uh, the Bible says this. The Apostle Paul speaking. He says, "Then make me happy by working. Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose." I want to read that again. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together. Y'all say that with me. And working together. Let's say it one more time. And. Working together with one mind and one purpose. So look at that first point on your outline if you're a note taker this morning. When a person gets born again, they get adopted into the family of God. Any born again people in the house today? Oh, y'all are awful quiet this morning. Any born again people in the house today? Amen. Isn't it great to know that when you got born again, you got adopted into the family of God, that salvation is a supernatural transplant into the kingdom of God? And you know what's interesting about adoption? Adoption is a powerful, special thing because there is such a thing as an accidental pregnancy, right? Sometimes people say, oops, we're having another baby, right? But how many of you know there's no such thing as an accidental adoption? Adoptions are intentional. Adoptions are on purpose. And the fact that we have been adopted into the family of God means that God the Father, who is a good father, intentionally, purposely pursued us as he offered his son Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins so that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life, that we could all be adopted into the family of God. And if you have ever felt rejected, if you've ever felt alone, if you've ever felt abandoned, I want you to hear me today. God loves you. And God has chosen you to be a part of his family. And he opens the doors wide. And he says, whosoever will, they can come. How good is that, guys? That's the good news of the gospel. So when a person gets born again, they get adopted in the family of God. So we are family. And we need each other. And we get more done together how many know we are better together and when we work together and we serve together and we minister together and we live life together and we weep together and we rejoice together we are better together than we could ever be on our own and what's powerful about being a part of a family you know we we live in the south and we live in Arab Alabama we got any Alabama fans in the house today got any Auburn fans in the house today And we're growing Ohio State fans. I don't know how that's happening in ARAB, Alabama. There's a couple back there. I'm like, Lord, help us, Jesus. We're we're glad you're here. (laughs) Come on, Roll Tide. But anyway, we're glad you're here. So here's what I know. We we live in the South. Football's a big thing. And and what's, what's amazing about teams, you know, it's awesome to be a part of a team. It's awesome to have a team that you're cheering for. But you know what's better than being a part of a team? Being a part of a family. And as a matter of fact, when you you see those coaches and those star players get interviewed and they're talking about their team, you know what almost every great team will say? This is what they'll say. They'll say, we're not just a team. We are a family. Because God's not just brought us to be on Team Jesus. God has adopted us to be in His family. And that's a powerful thing. And when the family begins to work together, And we begin to serve one another and serve our community and serve our world through the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Amazing, amazing, amazing things really do happen. In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul tells us this. Look what he says. He says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are God's children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share his sufferings. I love the fact that as Christians that have been adopted in the family of God, we get to share, the Bible says, in the glory of God. We get to share in the victory of the cross. We get to share in the power of God that heals and redeems and restores and rescues and puts our lives back together again. We get to share in the very glory of who Jesus is and what he has come to do in the earth. But the Apostle Paul doesn't stop there. The Apostle Paul says not only do we share in the glory of God, but we also share in his sufferings. And I think one of the ways that we share in the sufferings of Christ is that we share one another's sufferings. We share the struggles and the setbacks and the heartaches and the heartbreaks that each of us carry. And how many of you know that when we bear one another's burdens, we honor Christ? Jesus said, as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Let me just tell you something. Kelly and I, just last night, we're having a conversation. We, we've got our small group going, and we're doing our 40 days of community with our group. We're having a great time. and. And we've got a great group of people. And so we've got a little text group with our small group. And we're praying for one another. And we're encouraging one another through our text messages. And and just over the last week, I mean, there's just been one thing after another thing after another thing. Sickness and disease and hospitalization and all kinds of challenges. And and so everybody's been sharing. And we've been praying for one another. Last night we had this conversation. We said, you know, it just seems like there's an attack. Like there's just a lot happening in our small group. And and as I was praying this morning, the Lord showed me something. I'd never thought about it like this. And this is what He said to me He said, Keith, yes, there is a lot happening in your small group. But the truth is, that stuff has always been happening. But because you weren't really connected to those people, you didn't know it. All that stuff's always been happening. We're always fighting something. We're always working through challenges and difficulties. There's always issues in family or health issues or financial issues or issues on the job, marital issues, mental issues. I mean, just stuff is constantly coming our way. And here's the revelation, guys. Everybody's dealing with something. But if you're not in community, you'll never share that suffering. And you'll never know the joy of what it feels like to bear one another's burdens And the power of sharing those sufferings of Christ Happens when we come alongside one another And we get close enough That we actually know what's happening In each other's lives So I want to do something this morning I'm going to ask uh, Ken and Stacey Etheridge If they would to come And we've asked them to share a testimony Of why community matters to them And, and what I want you to hear I want you to listen Because they're going to share a very powerful story of how they walked through some challenging times and how the power of community, the power of the local church, the power of a spiritual family really did make a difference in bearing the burden. So let me give you a great big hug this morning. Y'all give them a round of applause. Come on, welcome them up here this morning. Love you guys. So
1: why community matters to us. Community matters because it means you're never alone. It makes me think of what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. This last year, we walked through through some of the saddest and most difficult days in our lives. In August of 2022, my mom was diagnosed with metastatic cancer in her spine that left her paralyzed from the chest down. She was in and out of the hospital a couple of times and moved in with us once she finished rehab. The love and support we were shown during this time will never be forgotten. One time when mom was in the hospital A sweet friend gifted her A small frog And it served as a reminder to F-R-O-G, fully rely on God Our small group Would meet at my house on days when mom Felt up to it so that mom could attend She was a member here for Probably over 20 years There was laughter and tears and bonds Created that will never be broken The cards, prayers, prayers Text, phone calls, food, and sometimes just having somebody to sit there with us are things I will never forget. I know when mom went to be with the Lord on December 6th that she knew she was cherished and loved by many here on earth and that we would be surrounded by a community that would not let us fall or be conquered. A little over six months later, my dad also went to be with the Lord He was saved a week or so before he passed, but he didn't have a home church. Pastor Keith had never met my dad, but we reached out about him doing the funeral, and he agreed without hesitation. And he said, even though he didn't know dad, he knows us. He spoke the most gracious, spirit-filled words that honored my dad and glorified God. We can think back over the years and remember many times that we had a need, and that need was met through our community at liberty. We've had people we love and trust step up and babysit in a pinch. When our marriage was struggling, we had couples that came along beside us and prayed with us and for us. They would not let us be conquered or let us fall. There are teachers and leaders in this church that really want to reach out and pull you up and teach you to do the same for others. I can remember a time we got to pray over a young lady that was trying to have a baby. And today, we get to watch that sweet baby and her younger sibling go in nursery. Several people know our sweet grandson, Nash. If you don't, you can usually hear him repeating Pastor Keith in that front corner, or amen. He was diagnosed with a brain injury not long after being born. We know that there are people in this church community that pray for him daily and offer to help in any way needed. Community matters not only because of what you receive, but what you have that you get to pour out onto others that may need it. Ken enjoys work days with the men because he gets to work in fellowship with friends made along the way. We love keeping babies and toddlers in the nursery because if you know Ken, you know he's the baby whisperer. (laughs) Knowing what a blessing it was to have a meal when mom was sick, put on my heart to serve with the food ministry. We may not have extraordinary gifts or talents, but First Peter four ten and 11 says, Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And those are just a few of the reasons why community matters to us.
0: Come on, let's give him a round of applause. I'm going to let you give that to Ken. So I'm going to ask Ken a question here. So Ken, why does serving and giving back really matter to you
1: <laughs> you'd think this would get easier after I listened to her read it over and over again <laughs> uh, you're, the joy that you feel whenever you serve others you, just the warmth in your heart and soul if you've never done it, try it but with me working on the road and all this going on to have a, a family, you're not a community, you're a family
0: Come and take care of my family Thank you Amen, amen Give them a round of applause Amen Amen Amen. What I love about Ken and Stacy's story Is so many things but, But just the reality That as Ken just said We're not just a community We are a family And having that family is significant And having that family is important As I was listening to their testimony and and as we've had testimonies every week, I I thought about something. My name gets thrown out there quite a lot uh, because I'm up front a lot. But the truth is, let me just be very honest with you. Kelly and I, we're we're a small part in the big puzzle called family. And as much as we would love to be there and be be with every family in every circumstance, the reality is, is we can't because we're just one couple, but we can as one church. As one church, we can be family, right? And we can care for one another and we can love each other and we can serve one another during those hard and difficult times because everybody's always facing something. And the good news is, as Stacey started out reading Ecclesiastes 4, the good news is is you don't have to face it all alone. Can I get an amen? All right, so let's talk a little bit today as we talk about serving together. What what does it really take for us to serve together? I'm going to give you four things today. We want to start out by talking about trust. What does it take for us to serve together as a family? I think it takes trust. And building trust is essential. So how do we build trust? I want to give you three ways today I think we can build trust. Because it's really hard for you to connect in community until you begin to build a trust with the people that you're in community with. It's really difficult for you to invite people into your life until you build a trust with those people that says they can be invited in. So how do we do that? Well, I think we do that through loyalty, through faithfulness, and by being trustworthy. I want to give you a couple of scriptures. Proverbs 17, verse 17 says this, A friend is always loyal. And a brother is born to help in time of need. A friend is always loyal. Let me tell you something that has eroded in our modern culture today, and that is loyalty. Right? There was a day generations ago where people were loyal, many times to a fault. And they would be committed to relationships and friendships and people no matter what. And unfortunately, instead of having a loyal culture today, we have a consumer culture. And the difference between loyalty, a loyal uh, culture, and a consumer culture is a consumer culture says, I'm going to shop around, and I'm going to find the best deal for me. I'm looking for what's going to serve me best. And I'm all in favor. My wife is a super shopper, by the way. And I'm all in favor of finding the best deal on the products and services that you're looking for. But when it comes to relationships, I can't just think about what's best for me. Loyalty says I'm committed to you, come hell or high water. I'm committed to you on the good days and on the bad days. I'm committed to you when everybody else walks out or everybody else walks in. You can count on me. How many of you know that when people show loyalty to you, it builds trust? Trust. When that person just keeps showing up and they just keep showing up and they just keep showing up, it automatically conveys, hey, I can trust this person. They are looking out not just for their good. They're actually looking out for my good. What a beautiful thing we have in the church. What an awesome opportunity we have as a spiritual family to create a culture of loyalty that says, you know what, I'm all in. I'm all in on the relationships. I'm all in on the community. I'm all in on this family, and you can count on me. And so the more that we live a loyal life, the more we build trust and camaraderie among people, the more we can come together and serve together. How many know that when you really start serving, when you get in the trenches fighting together, one of the most important things to know in the trenches of life is can I count on that person? To be loyal to me. But not only do we build trust through loyalty, but we build trust by being simply being faithful. Look what Luke 16, Jesus says. He says, if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the big things. I mean, no, we need faithful people. I mean, if we're going to serve together, we need somebody we can count on. What I love about Ken and Stacy. Ken shared how that for years he traveled, he worked out of town. But what I loved about them is that when they were committed to doing something, working in the nursery, rocking those babies, taking care of those kids, man, you could count on them. They were faithful. And I tell all of our entrepreneurs, especially we've got a lot of guys that do construction. This is what I tell our construction guys. If you'll just do what you said you would do and show up when you said you'd show up, you'll have more work than you can ever do in your lifetime. If you'll just do what you said you're going to do and show up when you said you're going to show up, you'll have more work than you can do in a lifetime. Why? Because people are looking for faithfulness, right? People aren't faithful anymore. It's hard to even get people to follow up on a phone call. It's hard to get people to show up even when they said, I'll come in and I'll be there. And they just don't come. How many know that unfaithfulness undermines our trust? But faithfulness builds trust. And and the Bible says, how do we we build faithfulness? Well, it really just starts by being faithful in the little things. If you say you're going to do it, do it. And that's so powerful in a community of faith. That's so fi- powerful in our families, in our natural families. We all know there are people we can trust. <laughs> and there are, we all know there are people we are like, well, you might want to have a backup plan because he may not show up. But when we embrace faithfulness, you know what happens? We build trust. We build community. We strengthen that family where we understand that, man, you can count on the people that are around you. And then last but not least, we build trust by simply being trustworthy. Listen to this scripture out of Proverbs 11. A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Can you keep a confidence? See, part of building trust is being trustworthy. So when people share their heart and they share their struggles and they they get honest and they get real and they get vulnerable, that they know that they can trust you to guard that, right? That what is shared with me stays with me. How powerful that is. And in a world where people no longer are trustworthy, what a beautiful thing it is to be a part of a spiritual family where we can build trust by simply being trustworthy worthy and holding our confidence and letting people know, hey, this is a safe place where you can share your heart and we can get real with one another and we can serve together because we can trust one another. Can I get an amen? Amen. Look at that next point. So not only do we need to trust one another, but we need compassion. Compassion. This is an interesting thought when you think about what does it take for us to serve together? It takes compassion. Let me tell you why we need com- compassion, because we're all just a little bit messed up. <laughs> we need compassion because we are all just a little bit messed up. And on our best day, we may not have our best day. <laughs> and the realization is we need compassion with one another because compass- all have, and the greater compassion that I have for people, the greater capacity. I have to work with that person and keep pulling them near instead of pushing them away. So how do we cultivate that compassion? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of things. I think we can cultivate, cultivate compassion by listening, by asking questions, and by showing emotions. And all the guys said, oh, me, not that, right? Showing emotion. We'll, we'll dive a little deeper into that in a minute. Look with me in James chapter 1, verse 19. James says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. Now, Kelly will be the first one to tell you I have a whole lot more words than she does. We do not fit the natural model that women have more words than men. In our house, I have a lot more words than Kelly does. And I talk a lot. (laughs) But I really do love to listen. Because this is, this is what I've learned about listening. Until I listen to you, I'll never know you. Until I listen to you, I will never know you. See, I can come to church every Sunday and for 20 years I can see you. Every Sunday in church. But until I listen to you, I'll never know you. I've got to learn to listen. I gotta be quick to listen and slow to speak. Why? Because when I learn to listen to people, all of a sudden I start to hear. I start to hear their stories. I start to hear their struggles. I start to hear that, that they've been through some things, they've overcome some things, they've accomplished some amazing things. And when I listen, all of a sudden I, I am I am connected. There's a compassion in my heart. How you many know people aren't the way they are just because that's what they chose to be? But people are the way they are because they had to make choices based on things that happened to them. Yes, we get to choose the person we're going to be. But we have to make those choices in light of the circumstances that are dealt to us many times by the choices and decisions of other people. And so I learned to listen. And when I listen, I cultivate compassion. And then not only do I listen, we we learn to to build compassion by beginning to ask questions. Look look what the Bible says in Proverbs 20. Counsel in a person's heart is like deep water, but a person of understanding draws it out. When you learn, when you listen, and then you begin to ask questions based on genuine concern. Man, I really want to know you. Man, what what did that feel like? What, What was that like? Man, how did that happen? And you start asking questions just to dive a little deeper. Let let me tell you what I've learned, what's interesting about Christianity, right? Because we, we, uh, uh, Jesus is hands down the most humble person on planet earth, right? He modeled humility and we embrace that in Christianity. Christianity's Christians understand that part of being great in the kingdom of God is being humble in the kingdom of God. And this is what I found out about Christians. I found out that Christians are usually quicker to share their struggles Than they are to share their successes. And what I've learned when I start asking questions is I recognize, man, you guys are awesome. Man, I start hearing how you did this and how you did that and how you accomplished this and you graduated from here and, and you won that and you accomplished that and you birthed that and you built that. I'm like, you're amazing. It's amazing when you begin to have enough compassion to listen to people and then begin to ask some questions with genuine concern. You begin to find out, man, we're surrounded with some pretty amazing people. And I think about the successes that are just sitting here in this room, the accomplishments that have been made. I mean, the things that have been done, and I stand in awe of the fact. But you know what it does? It also encourages me because I know there's nothing we can't do. Come on, somebody. There's nothing we can't accomplish with God's grace and God's mercy and our willingness to put our hands to it. Nothing is impossible. And then last but not least, not only do we listen, not only do we ask questions, but we cultivate compassion when we actually begin to show emotion. So for all of us guys here today, here's us a Bible verse, Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. I like that. Weep with those who weep. Not so good at that. Rejoice with those who rejoice. It's fun to celebrate. Let me tell you what happens when you celebrate with people over their victories. You connect with them. When you celebrate with somebody over their victory, you connect with them. And guess what? When you weep with someone over their sorrow, you connect with them. That's right. Man, there's a connection. There's a compassion. There's, there's a bond that happens that when I weep with you and I rejoice with you, all of a sudden, man, God binds us together. And the strength of the relationships that we have within Determines the impact that we have without if we want to reach a broken hurting world with the gospel of Jesus Christ Then we've got to build life giving relationships within and we serve together best out of a heart of compassion That not only breaks for one another But looks at a lost and dying world and breaks over the fact that those people don't know Jesus And how lost and how confused and how scared they really must be to live in this world without the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We serve best together when we trust one another and when we lead and live with a heart of compassion for one another and for a world. Jesus looked at a lost and dying world, and I love this phrase over and over about Jesus. He was moved with compassion. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And his heart went out to them. And the power of compassion is that it enables us to reach people in a way that we could never reach them before. So at this time, I want to ask Micah Coker to come. Micah's a part of our church family, and we ask him to share why does community matter to you. And and as he shares his story today, I want you to listen how how that through compassion... And how that through connection and how that through listening ears, God used community and family to bring real change into his life. Let's give him a round of applause this morning. Y'all welcome Micah.
2: So thank you, Pastor Keith, for this opportunity. Um, So why are rental cars so depressed all the time? Because they're loners. (laughs) Uh, I always said that you can put me on an island alone and I would be totally okay. But the truth was that I, we need community. We need community because God uses people to help us find freedom. It says in James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another so you can pray for each other and be healed. So that's my story. Um, So this has been so true in my life and I can honestly say that had not been for this community, I would not be married and I would not be holding this mic speaking to you today. So I always kept to myself and the problem was that the enemy used this isolation to keep me bound in lust for over 10 years. And I even grew up in church. And since the time I was a baby, my parents were very adamant, we're going to go to church, we're going to be there, we're going to serve God. Um, and through this process, as about 18 years old, I got hurt because of our church broke apart. And I was like, well, this is how church is, I don't want to come anymore. And the problem was, when I left that community, even though I was still struggling, right, I grew up in church, I was still struggling with lust, when I left that community, it took me down a road of, of lust, of porn, of sex, um, And it wasn't until I found community again that God started drawing me back to himself. Uh, I met an amazing family who was so different than anyone else I really knew. And the point was, they were true Christians. They were following Jesus. They were relationally driven with Jesus. Um, And they attended Liberty Church. So he invited me back to y'all. I needed this, and I found community once again. So God used community to help me start attending church again after I'd been running from him for over six years. And then I started attending a small group at Chris and Amber McWhorter's house for years. There's so much I would love to say on this. I love the McWhorters. They're a great, great family. Um, And the cool part was is God used that small group to start building my faith in people again. And then one pivotal point of my journey to freedom was during my first encounter. And I asked Pastor Keith if I could have a private conversation with him you ever have those, like, secrets, those little skeletons in your closet you don't want to share with anyone, right? Like, you're terrified. If I tell this to somebody, they're going to judge me. This is going to get out to everybody, and I'm going to be ruined. I'm going to have to go hide on a rock. Well, guess what? I was able to spill my guts to this man right here. You know, and sometimes when someone tells you something, like, you can almost see it in their eyes, right? That they, they didn't mean to, but they judged you real quick, and they caught it. Like, I could, no, no, I'm not going to pass judgment. But this guy never did that to me. And said, I saw the love of Christ in his eyes. And what did God use that? God used that to show me that people love and care about me. And guess what? Because of that, that was a, that was a moment. It was I'll never forget that moment. Because it told me, yes, I might be struggling with sin right now. But there's people that's going to love me and care, care about me and help me walk through this. And the cool part was it wasn't just Pastor Keith. It was everyone that made that encounter possible. Without without everyone putting their hands to the plow, showing up and making that encounter possible, we never would have had that conversation. Then we fast forward years later, and I'm still struggling with lust. And now I'm married. And we decided to go through an encounter together, and I prayed that God would do whatever it takes to help me find freedom. And everything came out. You pray that prayer, you say, hey God, whatever it takes, I wanna find freedom. Guess what, he's gonna do it, I promise you. So don't pray that prayer unless you're serious. But it all came out right. Um, it was the second night of encounter, and we're arriving home, and, and we just had a big blowout. We were staying at home. We were going to stay at the church that night. And we ended up coming back uh, to the church that night because an amazing couple that was one of the leaders just sat for hours as my wife just squalled. And they just took care of us. They loved on us. They were there for us. And one big part of that encounter was is God used Pastor Ian, our Holly Pond campus pastor, to show me that I could have freedom, to show me that I didn't have to live that lifestyle anymore. And because, see, the problem was up to this point, y'all, I was believing a lie. I was believing that I was going to be bound in lust for the rest of my life. And guess what? Pastor Ian looked me dead in the face. I'll never forget it. We're standing right here. And he goes, Micah, do you believe you can be free? And and up to that point, you know, it, it didn't dawn on me that I didn't believe it, but it, he's like, you can be. He said, if, I would not be up here saying this to you if I was not free already. Everything in that moment changed. He did what James five sixteen 16 said. He prayed for me. I confessed my sins to him. He prayed for me, and guess what? I found freedom, but it didn't stop there because we had trauma now. My wife had a lot of trauma to work through, and praise God for this community because she had amazing people in this room that helped her walk through that process that we're forever, I am forever grateful Because we wouldn't have been married if she didn't have those people to walk through. We'd have been divorced because she wouldn't have been able to handle it on her own. She wouldn't have been in a process through it all. So God used community to help me find lasting freedom and save my marriage. And even now, Shelby and I are believing God for a promise he gave us over three years ago. And last week, God used someone in our community, someone in this church to give a word to my wife. Uh, and this, this woman didn't know what we we're going through. She, did, she didn't know nothing. And she, it was funny because she told my wife, she goes, she asked, she, asked, she asked the Holy Spirit three times. She goes, are you sure you want me to, to tell her this? It's kind of personal. Uh, and I'm grateful she did anyways because the word that she gave my wife brought me to tears because God was showing us he had not forgotten us. But that never would have happened if we were not in community, if it wasn't for y'all. And I could go on and on about so many amazing people in this room that have invested in me, that have grown me, that have challenged me, that I wouldn't be the man I am today without them. And for the people, the cool part is when God, when you're in community, not only does people challenge you, but he gives you opportunities to invest in other people. He He gives you opportunities to walk alongside of them. And there's no greater joy when you can walk alongside someone like Pastor Keith was saying earlier. So why does community matter to me? Because community is what makes this life worth living. We need each other.
0: Amen. I love you, Mike. Amen. All right, let me ask you one question before you go. What would you say to the person that's out there, maybe even watching online this morning, that has that secret sin, and they've been holding on to that thing, and, and they're, they're living in fear, literally terrified, that if they ever share it with anybody, they're going to be judged and condemned. What would you say to them?
2: Yeah, great question. So I would say it's like taking a, a really cold shower, right? You hate it at first. It's really good for your body. But when, you, when the, you once you get past the initial shock, it's not so bad. I would say take the plunge. Do it. Because once you get it out of your mouth, you're going to realize, hey, everything you were fearing was a lie. And you're going to find freedom.
0: Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give him one more round of applause. Love you, Mike. What I love about Micah's testimony is how many churches are there where you can stand on the stage and say, I struggle with lust and pornography and sexual sin and know that I'm still accepted, I'm still loved, I'm still valued, and I have a place here. See, the power of that compassion that we have for one another It says we don't have any stones to throw. Jesus never condoned sin, but he also never condemned sinners. And he invited us, all of us, to come and be real, be honest, be transparent. And in that place of compassion and transparency, there is freedom and there is healing and there is deliverance. And so, Micah, thank you so much for being uh, honest with us this morning. Let's give him one more round of applause. So look at that next point on your outline. The next thing we want to talk about is acceptance. And not just the acceptance of what it means to accept somebody that's struggling right where they are, but the acceptance of the fact that we are all just a little bit different, right? We all have different gifts. We have different ideas. We have different personalities. And the truth is we strengthen our community when we accept this reality and we work together. I love what Paul says. Look with me in Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty-four. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, "A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and look at this last part, and be patient with difficult people." Now, don't look at your neighbor. But does anybody know any difficult people? Come on, somebody. <laughs> How many know the world is filled with difficult people? Well, as I was studying this, I I wrote this down because I didn't want to mess it up. As I was studying this, the Holy Spirit said this to me. This is what he said. He said, Keith, he said, difficult people are really just different people. Difficult people are really just different people. They have different gifts, different ideas, different personalities. They're just different from you. And if we're not careful, we'll think that, Our differences make life difficult. But the truth of the gospel is our differences make us powerful. Right? Our differences don't have to make life difficult. Our differences can make us powerful because we all have strengths and abilities and insight and understanding and capacity to do things that we cannot all do. And when we come together... And we begin to accept the fact that you don't have to be just like me for me to work with you. You don't have to be just like me for us to serve God together. You don't have to be just like me for us to do what God has called us to do. As a matter of fact, we need those differences. We need those different gifts and personalities and insights and ideas. Our small groups this semester during our 40 days of community, each small group has been challenged to do an outreach into our community. And I've heard some rumblings as I've been talking to some small group leaders. And one small group leader this week told me, he said, Yeah, Pastor Keith, he said, We've got a pretty good sized group and we've got a lot of ideas. He said, And this week we've got to drill it down. <laughs> To one. But you know what? You know what's better? You you know what's worse than having a lot of ideas that you got to drill down to one? You know what's worse than that? Having one idea and that's yours. I like to say if your voice is the only voice in your head, you're in trouble because we need the voices of other people. We need different perspectives and different ideas and different gifts coming together for the purpose and the glory of God. And really, think about it. That's what makes us better. A good idea becomes a great idea when it's collaborated with people. right? A good idea becomes a great idea. And a a good outreach becomes a great outreach when you have different perspectives and different people pulling together for the glory of God. I love what the scripture says here in Romans chapter 12, verse 6. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So Kelly and I was thinking about our small group just this morning. And so Kelly and I are, are not what you would call big cookers. Is that an accurate statement? So when we do a small group, we always always rotate out who's going to bring the snacks next week, right? And so we always start out, and our staple is chips and salsa because we can buy that at the store, right? So when you come to our small group, week one, we're going to have chips and salsa. And then what's exciting is all the other people in the group, right? Right? Next week, it's their group, and next week, it's their, and, and what's exciting is you can see the different gifts. I don't know that the Bible says this, but there has to be a gift of food. <laughs> I mean, have you known, there are people that just have the gift of food. I mean, they know how to make food, and they love to serve people, and they love to cook food, and they love to bring food, and that's awesome, because I have the gift to eat. <laughs> I'm like, hey, we, we go together, good food, good eating, and we handle that. But I love it, just in our small, just seeing that every week you see the diversity of the gifts, just in the snacks that people bring. You always have those couple of folks. We had one last week. I can't bring a snack, right, Miss Jennifer? I got to bring a meal, and I'm like, bring it on, bring it on. How good is that? That we're different. And we don't have to all be alike. And when we learn how to accept that difference and we learn to recognize that, hey, it's those differences that actually help us be better, more powerful, stronger than we could ever be on our own. And difficult people are really just different people. And if we embrace that, God will do amazing things. All right, look at the last point with me today. You guys have been gracious and patient. Thank you all. The last point is, what do we need to serve together? We need trust, we need compassion, we need acceptance, but we also need a mission. We need a common mission and vision that unites us creating synergy and energy for the kingdom of God. We need a common mission and vision. And what I've loved about our 40 Days of Community is that it's created that. It's created a fresh vision. Liberty Church has an awesome vision and an awesome mission, right? We exist to win souls, make disciples, and destroy the works of the devil. And we're going to reach out, and we're going to raise people up into their full potential in Christ. And that's who we are, and that's what we do. But what I've loved about our 40 Days of Community is it's just kind of fine-tuned that vision just a little bit more. It's kind of caused us to just drill down and focus in on the community element of how that we're going to win souls, make disciples, and destroy the works of the devil as we continue to grow together and build relationships together. Because the stronger we are within, the greater impact we can have without. And you know what I've noticed? There's there's an energy and there's a synergy in the church. People are excited. Relationships are being built. And people are talking about, man, this is happening in our small group. And "Oh, this is happening in our small group. And we're planning on doing this. And we're going to be reaching out over here. And what are you guys doing? And all of a sudden, there's a synergy and an energy because we've got a common vision, a common mission that says we all belong. And we are better together than we could ever be alone. Amen. So I want you to do this. Let's stand to our feet this morning. We're going to go into a final song of worship. I want to ask our prayer teams to come. And I just want to open the altar this morning. As we go into this last song, I want to open the altar. And maybe you're struggling right now. Maybe you're in the middle of a difficult season. Maybe there's some battles and some challenges that are raging in your life. And maybe... Honestly, you're kind of fighting through it alone. I want to give you some good news today. You're not alone. And you may not know the names of these people that are standing up here today. But you know what? They know that God cares. And they want to know you today. And they want to pray with you today. And they want to help you today to get just a little more strength a little more grace a lot of breakthrough whatever you need they want to help you through Christ experience what God has for you I'm just going to tell you something today there's just something powerful about inviting somebody else in and saying hey could you pray with me could you pray with me so I want you just to bow your heads for a second we're going to go into a last song of worship but let's bow our heads so Lord right now I pray for every person that may be battling alone God give them courage right now and faith just to step out to say Lord I don't want to fight alone anymore maybe you need to take the hand of your spouse and y'all need to walk up here together maybe you've got a loved one standing there beside you and you just want to take their hand and come together but Lord, we just invite, Lord, everyone to come today. Lord, today is the day. And, Lord, we don't have to live life alone, and we don't have to fight the battles of life alone. And, Lord, today I thank you that we can bear one another's burdens. So, Lord, right now we open this altar, and I pray you open hearts to respond to you this morning as we worship you. In Jesus' name, let's sing and praise the Lord. this morning. If you need prayer, we want to pray with you. Life, you have been so, He's a good so father, good and he cares about what's going on in your life today. The Bible says we have not oh, because we ask not. Of the if you need prayer and support and encouragement this morning, let us be the hands and feet of Jesus for you today. just do this for a second, if you would just bow your heads for just a moment, and maybe you're here this morning, and we started out this message today by talking about the fact that if you've been born again, you've been adopted into the family of God, and maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online, and you realize, you know what, Pastor Keith, I've never been born again, I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I've never turned from my old life and turned to Jesus Christ. But I want to do that today. Today, I want to be born again. I want to be adopted into the family of God. And I want to know what it means to be a child of God. Because He chose you this morning. He chose you. He sent His Son, Jesus, for you. And he simply says that whosoever will believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, that they can be saved. So if that's you right now, you say, Pastor Keith, every head's bowed, every eye's closed. This is your decision, your moment. But you're here today. Say, Pastor Keith, I want to be born again. I want to be adopted in the family of God. I want you just very simply just to raise your hand. Just a simple act of faith that says, today is my day. I want to be adopted in the family of God. I want to know what it means to be a child of God. Just a simple act of faith. I want to pray with you, but would you raise your hand and say, Pastor Keith, that's me today. Today I want to accept Jesus. Today I want to be born again. We're going to pray a prayer together. If you're watching online and you raised your hand and you said, Pastor Keith, that's me, let's pray this together. Everybody in the room, let's say it together out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, Father, I believe believe Jesus died on the cross cross for my my sins. sins, sins. And I believe He rose again again on the third day. day. I I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. be my Lord and my Savior. Savior. I want to be be born again. again. Adopt me me into your family. family. In Jesus name. name. Amen Amen. and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. If you pray that prayer, congratulations. We love you. Welcome to... The family. Now, before we dismiss, let me just invite everyone to please plan and stay with us through the double doors to the left. We're going to bless the food, but through the double doors to my left in the cafe, we've got soups, we've got chili, we've got desserts, we've got Guatemala and s'mores out in front of the pavilion in just a few minutes, and we've got a hayride and we've got a lot of fun just to hang out and enjoy being together. Hey, how many know families eat together and families fellowship together? And we're better together. Amen. So let's just bless the food. Father, bless our food, our fellowship, and your church. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have kids in children's ministry, please pick them up first. And you are dismissed. And if you're new to Liberty, please grab a gift bag on the way out today.
1: We're glad to have you.